This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Donna Chavis. Thank you, Sid. Welcome, everyone, to Messianic Vision. I'm your host, Donna Chavis. So glad that you've joined us today. Our guest is an interdenominational speaker who desires to help believers live a spirit-filled life with a power that sometimes they didn't even know they had. And she says that every believer has access to this power. We're going to be talking about the gift of tongues, and she asks some questions. Do you pray in tongues? Do you know or understand what you're doing when you're utilizing this amazing gift? What are God's purposes in giving us a spiritual language? And what happens when we pray in tongues? Well, she has designed a question-answering training manual just for you. So we're going to get started with our guest today, Linda Markowitz. Linda, hi. Hi, good morning. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us this morning. We certainly appreciate that. Um, Linda, let, let's start off. <laughs> when I looked at your book, you've got, you've got a title that's Fire Up Your Power Tools. Whoa. Now, we're not talking about some um, person out in the garage uh, building something, but tell me, what does that mean, Fire Up Your Power Tools? Well, we're talking today, Donna, about tongues, and I discovered early in my walk with the Lord that my gift of tongues had power. It's a power tool, and actually the title of the book came from a personal experience I had in a prayer meeting. I'd love to tell you about that. Um, I was in a a prayer meeting that I co-hosted at the time, and I still co-host to this day, and we were praying in tongues on a specific subject, and I'm on one side of the room. And another woman is on the other side of the room, and I hear very clearly in her voice, I know her well, her name is Thelma, I've known her for years, and it was her voice. And she said, Linda. And I thought, well, how rude in the middle of this prayer meeting that she would interrupt and call me across the room. But at this moment, she was actually speaking in tongues, is that correct? She was speaking. (laughs) I flipped around and looked at her. And she was still speaking in tongues. She wasn't speaking in English at all. I could hear her tongues, and I could hear in English. I was able to interpret what she was saying. And it was powerful to me. She said very, very clearly, she said, Linda, Linda, write this book, and it will be called Fire Up Your Power Tools. I I am telling you, Donna, everything in me lit up, and I was wide awake in the Spirit. I knew that was God because I had already thought about writing this book. I'd actually started writing it and laid it down several times. And at the same time that I heard that, I saw a vision. I saw a man. I saw him pick up this huge, huge power saw, and I saw him cutting just quickly and effortlessly through something that was impenetrable. It was huge, and it was big in my heart and big in my spirit, and white-hot flames were shooting out from the blade. And so I was fully persuaded that day I was to write this book. It was to be called Fire Up Your Power Tools, and there was to be a chainsaw on the cover. (laughs) So when you get the book, you will see that there is a saw 
on the cover. So, I mean, it will grab your attention right away. But talk about grabbing your attention. You're in this prayer meeting. So this lady, a friend of yours that you've known for a long time, Thelma, is speaking in tongues, giving a message in tongues or speaking in tongues. And she's just going on and on. And all of a sudden, you start hearing it translated perfectly in English to where you understood it that clearly that just oh my goodness that is that is such a good story and it goes along with this teaching so well so uh, of course that was amazing to me but you know I want to go back just a little bit and you had a quite a rough childhood Linda but you you also had some godly influences in there that kind of sparked a curiosity in you tell me about that yeah, my, my childhood was a little unconventional, I would say. I'm the oldest of three, and my mother died when I was almost six years old. I was five turning six, and that was just a nightmare time for all of us, all of us. Mm. Uh, it, my father was an over-the-road truck driver. He was gone more than he was home. And just a few days after he um, had buried my mom, I, I, he had to go back to work, and so he took us to live with an aunt, uh, my father's brother's family. And my aunt and my two first cousins were there, and myself, my brother, and my sister. So all of us lived in the same house. But it didn't take me long to realize that something I didn't know before, and that was that my aunt was a raging alcoholic. Oh, no. I mean a falling down drunk every day by 12 noon alcoholic. And so, sort of by default, I became the mother. I became the mother of not only myself and my brother and sister, but my two first cousins, because they were all younger as well. And in a sense, I sort of took over the motherhood of um, my aunt. That's a lot of responsibility. It was a lot of responsibility for a six-year-old. But looking back, that was part of my preparation. It was just part of my preparation. And I didn't have much of a childhood in those early days, except when my father would come home off of the road and he would take us to visit his parents, my grandparents. And I love those days, Donna. They were so wonderful because they were just so filled with me being able to be a kid. I loved being there. And my grandmother, my grandmother Emily, absolutely knew God. She introduced me to him. She taught me how wonderful he was. She took me to church. Uh, I loved going to church with her. It was a hot little Baptist church in the middle of nowhere. I loved going there because they sang these wonderful Southern gospel songs. And those songs just did something in my spirit, and that played out for me later in my life. So that was my first introduction to Jesus. I I knew Jesus lived in Grandma's house. (laughs) I, I didn't know where, you know, I, but I knew he lived there. And she talked about him, Donna, as if he were right there. Yes. She talked to him and about him. And she made Jesus really, really real to me. Well, after a while, when I was about eight, my father then took us and moved us to another place. And we began to live with a woman. Um, she uh, had uh, children, two children, and she also loved the Lord. She had been a friend of my mother's. And she loved the Lord, and she began also to stir Jesus in me. I call her Mama Maureen. So my grandma Emily and my Mama Maureen, by the time I was eight years old, had really taught me 
that there was a real Jesus who really loved me, and he would be there for me. My mama, Maureen, would tell me, that's how you made it, Linda. That's how you made it Mm. back there earlier with your aunt. That's because Jesus did those things for you. Jesus gave you the understanding to know that you had to pour the cereal and spread the peanut butter. Jesus taught you that. And I had a real awakening to who he was. I knew he was real. But Donna, both my grandmother and my mama Maureen died just a couple of years after that. They both died within a year of each other. And at that time, it just sort of seemed that all of that spiritual fire in me died at the same time. I can understand that. That I think that happens to a lot of people. They get they get this, this stirring inside of them when they start hearing and learning about Jesus. But then something takes place, and then they're distanced from that. And I think that's what happened to you. You just you had that distance between, and it just died, like you said. But now, many years later, you found yourself a, a young, divorced mother of two. You had daughters of your own. And uh, tell me about that situation where you actually came to know Jesus once again, but personally this time. Mm. That Those days are so precious to me, Donna. They're so precious to me. I was divorced, and my daughters and I were just, uh, we were just reeling in this abyss of sorrow and sadness, and it was just so difficult. It was just such a difficult time for us. And remember, I wasn't saved at the time. Right. My children were having a lot of problems in the public school, my oldest daughter particularly. And so I had a meeting with the Parent Teacher Association, and they were basically telling me that both of my children were were emotionally damaged, and so that they had put them in what was known then as special education classes. And so they were not in the general population of the school, and my children were withering. They hated it there. And I got really mad. I was not saved. I want to reiterate that. I just sort of blew my stack, and I pulled my children out of school. I just pulled them out of school. And I'm on my way home with them when it occurs to me, now what are you going to do with them? Exactly. Now now what are you going to do with them? And as providence would have it, as only the Holy Spirit was redirecting my life at that time, the only school in my area that had an opening was the Assembly of God Church. It was the only school that had an opening that could take my kids that was not a public school. And so I ultimately registered them at that Assembly of God school, and things began to change dramatically in their lives. They became more peaceful. They became more settled. They loved going to school. And the school, about, oh, I think it was the second year they were there, uh, the school had a fundraiser. And what they were doing was hosting a concert with the Vestal Goodman family. Howard and Vestal were both living at the time. Their son, Rusty, was living at the time. And so Howard, Vestal, and Rusty were coming to give a Goodman family concert, and the school was selling tickets for that concert. And, oh, just like every other mother, you know, when your kids are selling something for school, I bought more tickets than anybody else. You have to. <laughs> it's a thing. You just have to. <laughs> And, and I did. I bought more tickets, and the night of the concert, they really, really wanted to go. Well, the last thing I wanted to do was go to that silly concert. I didn't want to go to that concert. I, would, I didn't want to go to church because it was held at the church. And, oh, they were so insistent. Please, please, Mommy, please, 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 please. Well, eventually I said, okay. So a couple of my girlfriends and my girls went. We had a girls' night out, and we went to the church to hear the concert. And that night, Donna, that night, 
I heard those same Southern gospel songs that my Grandma Emily would let me listen to at her church. My Mama Maureen played the piano. I think I didn't mention that she played the piano, and she would call all of us kids around the piano, and we would sing those same old songs. And those old Southern gospel songs that are just so rich with the truth of the scriptures. And they sang those songs. That Festal Grugman, Howard Goodman, Son Rusty, they played those songs. I can still see Howard sitting on the piano. <laughs> that piano bench was, I thought it was going to catch on fire. I remember them well. <laughs> you do remember them. Yes. I mean, I really thought that that's what was going to happen. And I was not only saved that night, but I was filled, filled, overfilled filled to overflowing, gloriously saved, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and received my gift of tongues that night. And Linda, right after that, just very shortly after that, a friend gave you some material on praying in tongues, and that really got you started in the right direction, didn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking back, I, I just I am still in contact with this woman. She she was just a friend. I had known her outside of the school environment, but she happened to attend that church. And once I got saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit, I started attending that church. And I don't think I attended more than two services when she came and gave me these two cassette tapes. And one of them was on faith, and one of them was on praying in tongues. And on the one, Praying in Tongues, it was by Marilyn Hickey, I learned that I could pray in tongues all the time. Well, I just assumed that was the normal. I had no point of reference, you know. I had no point of reference. So I trusted the woman that gave me the cassettes. I assumed that the woman on the cassette, who I didn't know anything about, never met, didn't know anything about, would be telling the, the truth. Of course. I, it was my point of reference. That woman, Marilyn Hickey, said I could pray in tongues all the time, told me how she learned to do that herself. And so I began to discipline myself to pray in tongues all the time. And I would say probably within, I, I, I'm going to be very generous, it was probably less than this, but I'm going to say within seven, eight months, I was very aware that I was praying in tongues every moment of my waking day that I wasn't eating or talking. So you began training yourself. And I just wanted to point out right here, this is some of the things that you talk about in your book, um, Fire Up Your Power Tools. Uh, it, it's, some of that, it's some of that training that you started doing and that you learned as you, you dug into this that you pass along now to other people. But you started training yourself to pray in tongues all the time. And Linda, at that time, I am sure that you had no idea that this power tool was about to be put to the test. What happened? None. Absolutely none. I'm so grateful. Oh, Donna, I'm so grateful. I had this wealth in me. I had this power source in me. Because later in my life, uh, I mentioned, or you mentioned that I have two daughters, and an older and a younger, of course. And my younger daughter... Uh, was the one that was the most damaged by the divorce. She was the one that became the most needy. My older daughter sort of became the survivor, but mm -hmm. her daughter was the more needy. And as she got older, she got into a lot of trouble, and she was in and out of all kinds of situations that were not right. She was hooking up with the wrong people. And ultimately, ultimately, she hooked up with a really wrong guy. Yes. Really wrong guy. And that's uh, 
that's the entire story in my testimony book, Donna, this entire story of how my younger daughter uh, was dating this biker dude that I had only met two times. I met him at Christmas, and then I met him at Mother's Day the following year. And in June following Mother's Day that particular year, and this story is now 25 years old, um, in June I was visiting some friends who were pastors in Port St. Lucie. They had invited me down to visit and minister and be with them and their kids, and they were friends, really good friends. And, Linda, you'd been in full-time ministry for quite a while at this point, right? I had been, yes. Okay. I had been in full-time ministry at that point, um, I'm guessing oh, close to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was it was so real to me to be a part of what God is and who He is and following Him. But, you know... We all get these opportunities in life to live it. We can say it morning, noon, and night, but when the rubber meets the road, can you live it? And I was faced with that because while I was at my friend's house after having a wonderful time with them, and and the story in the book is filled with just wonderful understanding of the goodness of God and the depravity that, that my daughter fell into, Actually, part of the book is written by this young man. That's part of my testimony, too. Uh, but what, what happened ultimately is that this young man um, murdered my daughter. I was at my friend's. I received a call from my husband. Uh, the, the pain even today is just, uh, it's incomprehensible. Uh, he just said to me, Linda, this is the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to tell you, um, at the time, I thought he was talking about his mother because she had been really, really ill. Mm-hmm. He was going to tell me that something happened to mom. That was what I thought, but that's not what came out of his mouth. What he came out of his mouth was very frank. He just said, Linda, Michelle is dead. Ray shot her to death. Man. I, I, I don't have words. Even now, I, I've had 25 years to process this. I've had 25 years, and it is still really raw remembering that moment. But things began to move very quickly in my life. Now, you were away from home, so you had to get back home. Correct. Correct. I had to get back home. Uh, they, were, they lived in Port St. Lucie. I live in Orlando. Uh, I stayed with them about another three hours just to sort of put my head together. Mm-hmm. I needed to go home, but I, it just, I didn't feel like jumping in the car the next ten minutes. And actually, I got in the car, and I only went one exit on the turnpike, just one. I only went one exit, and I got off and pulled into a convenience store. And even when I did that, I thought, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Because I didn't need anything. I didn't need gas. I didn't need a drink. I didn't need to go to the bathroom. I needed nothing. What am I doing here? I sat in that car in the parking lot. I never got out and just prayed in tongues for quite some time, got back on the turnpike and went home. Got home. My husband tried to console me. There was no way to do that. My mother-in-law was with us. She was inconsolable. All of us were a mess. Um, We all tried to go to bed, 1230, 1 o'clock, something like that. None of us could sleep, really, and I definitely couldn't sleep. So I finally got up about 5, and I was just standing in my kitchen in the pitch dark. I didn't turn any lights on because we had a real small house, 
and mom was sleeping on the pull-out sofa in the living room Mm -hmm. attached to the kitchen, if you can sort of see that. And any light I turned on would disturb her. So I just stood in the dark, just sobbing and angry and questioning and reeling and trying to wrap my brain around what had happened. How did this happen? And in that moment, in that moment of just intense pain, I began to feel this rage starting to rise. And to me, it was perfectly justifiable. Of course. Uh, it, to, in my moment, in, my, in that moment, I, I had every right to just hate this man and hate what he had done to me and my daughter and my family. And in that moment, when that rage was just like a tsunami coming up out of my spirit, it, it, I just had this moment where everything changed. Everything. Standing there in the dark. Standing there in the pitch dark in my kitchen. A presence that is undeniably nothing but God Almighty came and stood in front of me. I didn't see him. I didn't see features or a face. Or, But you will never, ever tell me God himself was not standing right there. I wanted to fall forward. I, it was such a holy, deep presence. I just wanted to fall forward. I, 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 there was nothing in me that could stand. And I can only, I didn't feel a touch. I didn't naturally feel anything touch me. But I sensed that something was holding me upright. And I heard, not audibly, but in my spirit, I heard the voice of God speak to me. Uh, remember, I'd been in ministry for quite some time. Yes. I had been practicing my power tools for quite some time. Yes. I had learned years earlier how to interpret my own tongues, and, and I was all prepared for that moment when God spoke to me, and he said, Linda, I do not want you to be angry. I want you to be grateful. Michelle has been delivered from much. What? 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 Are you not paying attention? What's the matter? Don't you know what just happened? I, I was. I would love to say to you and to to our listeners that I was just so godly and I was so wonderful and I was this powerful woman of God that said, "Oh yes, sir, absolutely, I'll do that right this minute." But that did not happen. No, no. I I stood there just hardly being able to breathe, knowing it was God, knowing that. I needed to answer him, and not wanting the answer I knew he wanted. But it didn't take me very long, minutes, but not hours. I I finally agreed. Okay, I won't be angry. I want you to forgive Ray, he said. I said, I'll forgive him. And I was just on the other side of getting a fresh breath of that, and he added, the Lord added a P.S. He asked me to forgive him. Not be angry, be grateful, because Michelle had been delivered from much. He said, I want you to forgive Ray. Okay, all right, okay. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but we've been through this before. I know when I say yes, you'll give me the grace, and we'll get through it. And And I just sort of settled in that when he came back and he said, and I want you to embrace him as a son. Wow. I wish I had some really eloquent words to say that would just be so 
powerful here, but I, 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 I was like, no, <laughs> I, I, I didn't say that out loud. I had, I, I had the cognizant reality that I was face to face with God. I wasn't going to say no, but my heart was not in agreement with that initially. Of course, yeah. You want me, let me get this right. You don't want me to be angry. Okay, I sort of get that. You want me to forgive him? Okay, I sort of get that. You want me to embrace him as a son? I don't get that. I don't get that. Well, the Lord did not dignify any of my questions with an answer. None. And I knew, Donna, I knew I stood at a crossroads. I knew whatever comes out of my mouth next is going to mark my life. I knew that. And I knew I had complete choice. I I had total liberty in Christ. I could say, nope, I'm not doing any of that. Or I could say, okay. So it it wasn't a command at all. It was, this is what I want you to do. Because he knew that your life was about to change. Exactly. No, it wasn't a command. It was a question. And mm. I, and he gave me full choice, as he does to all of us. Whenever we meet all these hard places in life that seem impossible, he gives us a choice. How are we going to respond? Are we going to respond as Jesus would? Or are we going to respond as our flesh wants us to? Mm. boss here. Are we going to be carnal or spiritual? And so ultimately, and not not lickety split by any means, I, I, people often will make the comment, "Well, I could never do that as quick as you did." Well, it wasn't that quick. <laughs> it I stood there for a while, and I finally said, "Okay, I don't know, but right now, right this minute, I'm going to forgive him, and right this minute, I'm not going to be angry, and right this minute, I choose to embrace him as a son." And I said those words almost verbatim. And I said them quiet because my mother-in-law was asleep in the living room, but I said them out loud. And I cannot describe to you, there are no words to describe to you the download of grace I received instantaneously. Instantaneously. I sometimes refer to it as a river of grace. It just felt liquid. It felt like this grace, this intense, powerful, amazing grace. That song means so much more to me now than it ever did. I understand Amazing Grace. Yes. It just came. And every sorrow, every heartache, every moment of confusion, everything disappeared. And I just took this deep, 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 deep breath. I inhaled, and when I did... I I knew that that presence of God, that power presence of God had lifted out of the kitchen. It was just me, but it wasn't just me, because he that had been in front of me was now in me. And I knew, I didn't know how, but I knew he was going to help me. So what was the first thing that you did um, moving toward this decision? Well, when it became light enough, I sat down at the table, my kitchen table. Mm -hmm. I wrote a letter to this young man. And remember, I'd only met him twice. Matter of fact, I was even thinking at the table, would I even recognize him if I saw him? But I knew that I needed to move, and I needed to do that quickly. 
uh, as a minister, I knew and had taught often that we have to add works to our faith, and we do. We do. And I knew for me that needed to be really quick. Mm-hmm. So I sat down probably within an hour of that encounter, and I wrote the young man a letter. Uh, I called an associate pastor at the church where I attended at the time, the pastor who was in charge of prison ministry, and he came and got the letter, and I asked him if he would take it to this young man in prison. It took a couple of days for him to get to see him because um, at this point he had been transferred from where he turned himself in to Orlando and was put on suicide watch. And because of all of that, he wasn't allowed any ministers, including the ones from the church, to come and see him. But ultimately, he did read him that letter, and he did lead him to the Lord. But the pastor wasn't super encouraging to me later, uh, I'll have to admit. He came back to me later, and he says, yeah, yeah, he did. He, You know, I led him to the Lord, and yeah, yeah. He says, but you know how those jailhouse confessions are? Mm. Everybody gets saved in jail. Everybody gets saved in jail. So he says, don't be disappointed if this doesn't stick. But I I just wasn't moved. (laughs) I was not moved because everything in me at this point was moving with grace. Yes, yes. Now, I know sometimes these things can be... Uh, very distressing and long and drawn out, but you walked through him, even through the trial. And I mean, they had deemed this premeditated murder, so he was going to get the maximum sentence, life in prison or death sentence. But you even were instrumental in that, Linda. Absolutely. Absolutely. It it just so happened. Now, remember, this happened 25 years ago. Yes. It just so happened that that month, the early part of the month where this event happened, the state of Florida instituted what is known now commonly all over everywhere as victims' rights, Hmm. meaning that if you are the victim of a violent crime or you're the survivor of a victim of a violent crime, that you can address the court uh, at the time of trial and sentencing. And I was offered that opportunity. Now, um, to back up a little bit, actually, Ray never went to trial because we worked uh, a plea agreement before he went to trial, but I was extremely instrumental in that. They called me, the attorneys for both sides, the prosecution and his attorney, called me on a conference call and told me what the choices were and did I prefer death or did I prefer life without parole because my say would be in, uh, considered by the judge. And I said to them, I, I don't want either one. And they were so kind to me, <laughs> they thought this little silly woman doesn't understand the law. So they really... Or didn't understand the question. <laughs> yeah, that, that was true. I think that, that was it. I remember that conversation was sort of comical. But... Um, Finally, they came back and asked me again, and I gave them the same answer. I I don't want either one. And they said, but ma'am, you have no other choice. I said, I have another choice. And looking back, it was only the Holy Spirit that was saying these things, because I, I wouldn't have even thought these thoughts. I said, no, I have another choice. Well, they said, we'll call you back. Well, ultimately, they called me back with the judge on the conference call. And ultimately, ultimately, it was a long, drawn-out thing, but ultimately uh, they agreed to reduce his charge 
from premeditated first-degree murder to second-degree murder with a firearm. That That sentence or that charge came with the possibility of parole. And I negotiated with them for a lesser term. And the judge insisted that I come to the court and address the court and tell him face-to-face that this is what I wanted. And that happened about three days later. I went to the court, addressed the court. I will remember that day to this, uh, up over his head. Uh, We have a new courthouse in Orlando now, but at that time there was this old, old courthouse. Everything was old, old, dark wood. And there was a dark wood crown molding all the way around the top of the room. And right directly behind his uh, head on that crown molding, right behind his bench, was the scripture from Micah 6 that says that you are to love mercy and do justly. And so he said, I know we've discussed this, but I need to hear out of your mouth for the court record exactly what we discussed. And I I made reference to that scripture. Mm -hmm. I said, I have learned to love mercy, and I'm asking for mercy. And ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a longer story, but what actually happened was that they did give him the reduced uh, charge and the reduced sentence exactly like I asked. My goodness. I know I could listen to you talk about this because of, of the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness that just is so powerful in this story. And I can listen on and on and on, but we need to move on a little bit just so that we can get some um, some other information in here. But Linda, I don't know if people can even grasp this when they're listening to this story, but it was 24 years that this young man served in prison, and all the while, you walking with him and embracing him as a son. And the thing that happened when he got out of prison blows me away. (laughs) Yeah, it's still pretty remarkable. It's still pretty remarkable. My husband and I were the two that picked him up from prison the day he was released. And uh, nobody... Nobody understood that. Nobody understood that. The prison didn't even want us to come. They were going to deny us the ability to come and pick him up because nobody understands this and nobody gets this. And they were concerned we were only going to come to hurt him, you know, just shoot him or do something right there on the prison grounds. And I had to really battle to get them to agree to let, let us come. But they did. They ultimately let us come, and we picked him up at the prison, and we were the ones that were there. He came, he calls me mom. (laughs) He calls me mom, and he came toward me. He sort of of lurched toward me, and two officers were right there to stop him, you know. It was, and and I said, please, please, and and we embraced, and it was it was a powerful moment. And ultimately, when he was totally done, paperwork was done, he was released, and, and we were in the car, the first place he wanted to go was to Michelle's grave. Mm. Uh, and he went, we took him, we took him to Michelle's grave. He knelt down before her grave, and he asked her to forgive him. It, it was the most, I, I don't have words. I don't have words. I know. I know. But I just, you know, 
He was out of prison a couple of months later. The most amazing thing I have ever heard in any situation like this. On Mother's Day, a couple of months later when he was released, what happened? Well, Mother's Day was the last day I had seen Michelle. Uh, The last time uh, that I had seen Michelle was uh, when she and Ray took me and my husband to Mother's Day brunch. Now, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I had already received an invitation to minister at a church on Mother's Day. Once I knew Ray was going to be released, I met with the pastor uh, and sat down and talked with him and asked him if he would be okay with Ray coming with me and us telling the story and us ministering together on the message of forgiveness. And this man, I, I commend him highly. I really commend him. It was a gutsy move, you know, because Mother's Day, everybody comes because it's sort of like Easter. You know, you have to go to church with your mother. Of course. <laughs> and and he knew he was going to have a lot of first-time visitors, and he knew. But he, I commend him. I, I truly commend him. He agreed. So on Mother's Day, uh, Ray and I went together. I told my part of the story, and he came up at the end, and he shared. And because despite what the pastor had said to me all those 20-something years before, race conversion was not a jailhouse conversion. It was, it was quite a bit later before he sort of connected all the dots and actually began to work uh, his relationship with Christ. But by the time he was released, he was fully, completely, totally free saved, loved the Lord, never turning back, strong in Christ. And he was able to deliver that to that congregation that day. Wow. Well, I said right before we started telling this part of it, when I heard this, when I read this, when you told me this, it blew me away. Uh, I've just... I know all of you that are listening, uh, I know you're not going to be able to wait to read this, to hear this, to understand the grace and the mercy, the power that was working in this situation. So let me let you know that uh, we have prepared some resources for you. And Linda has two books, the one Fire Up Your Power Tools, which is about speaking in tongues and the power that is within us when we activate this within us and take advantage of this great, great uh, tool that we have access to. Also, you'll get her personal testimony in its entirety. I wish we had time to tell you all of it today, but of course we don't. So you will get a book also of her personal testimony. And this book is called I Find No Fault in This Man. You're also going to get two brand new and exclusive audio teachings by Linda with this resource. So uh, listen for Sid at the end of the program to tell you just how you can get this. Linda, that is one of the most amazing things that I have ever, ever heard. And I, I just can't imagine what all transpired in that 24 years that was such a powerful example to this young man of true grace and mercy and power and understanding and forgiveness, and then to be able to minister together. Wow, that's all I can say. You know, I think of another word sometimes, but sometimes you just have to go, wow, wow. But okay, let's talk a little bit more about this power tool that you call it. What are what are some of the purposes or the purpose that, that, that you know that tongues serve? Oh, 
they are unlimited. Uh, the purposes are unlimited. But I discovered, uh, for me, it, that how powerfully the gift connects us to heaven. It's a connector. The gift of tongues is a connector between the things of heaven and the things of earth. And so many times, believers just put their tongues on what I call autopilot. And I did that for years. I did that for years. After I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and had my gift of tongues, I just turned it on. But I really didn't understand that it is a tool, and it can be used as a tool, and it can bring things from heaven to earth. And that is what makes it so supernatural, Donna. It is not just a sidebar. It's not an accessory. I believe every believer in Jesus Christ needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gift of speaking in tongues. It is for every believer. It is for all of us. And what it does is it opens the doors of the supernatural realm. I can see as God sees. I can hear what God hears when I'm connected to him through this tool. That, I believe, is the best and the most powerful use of the gift of tongues. I I heard you say that it was the single most effective tool when it comes to entering the supernatural realm. That's powerful. I like the fact that you also call it a limitless resource. We have access to a limitless resource. Without limit, absolutely. it opens up everything we need when we need it. it. Once we understand the gift and we use the gift to co-labor with the Holy Spirit, that we understand he's the helper. You know, Jesus sent us a helper. The Holy Spirit doesn't do it for us. He helps us do it. He is our heavenly helper. Once we understand that and we learn how to work with the helper in tongues, there is absolutely nothing we can run into that we're not already prepared to handle. Yes, and you know what? I I like that um, phrase that you say, a co-laborer with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it tells us very clearly in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we are co-laborers with God. We work with God. We don't work for God. We work with God. And when we work with Him, we work through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And when we're doing that, it is, it, it's, a, it's teamwork. You know, He leads, He guides, He gives instruction, He leads us into truth. You know, it tells us in uh, John 16 that there are five different things that the Holy Spirit does. And so everything he does is going to point to one of these five. And let's go over those quickly. He will guide all believers in Jesus Christ into truth. That's his number one job. He'll guide us into truth. He'll only speak what Jesus speaks. So we can count on knowing that what we hear from him comes straight from the master. Yes. And we can incorporate it in our lives. And he will show us things to come. Do you believe that? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will show us the future. That is supernatural. And I live in that. I know how to walk in that. And it's because I've trained myself to do that. And I train the readers of the book how to do that as well. That's probably the heart of the book. How do you do this yourself? The Holy Spirit also glorifies Jesus and only Jesus. He doesn't glorify anything but Jesus. And he also gives insight to us from Jesus so that we can see as Jesus sees. So when you learn how to co-labor with the Holy Spirit, and I help the reader do that, I try to make it really practical. I even call it on the cover, it even says it's a practical handbook. Mm -hmm. I try to make it 
super, super practical because it can be a very ethereal thing, tongues and interpretation, and it sounds a little spooky sometimes. It's not at all that. It is a gift that is filled with life and hope, and it'll teach us what we need. So many times, Donna, I have walked into absolute train wrecks. I mean, everything around me is just blowing up, and I'll step into it. And this has happened to me numerous times, and I am very cognizant. I am very aware. I have already prayed into this, and I have instantaneous understanding of what to do next. Yes. Yeah, and which reminds me, you say that praying in tongues actually makes you smarter. It does. (laughs) I like like that. I like that, too. I think a lot of us could, or many of us, could certainly use some of that. I'll take some of that. I remember early, Donna, when I started to operate in this and just step out and face that I could do this. And this was years and years before Michelle's death, and I was just being groomed and trained and prepared. Um, I uh, I would tell people things, and as soon as I would tell them that, I would go, you just lied to them. I, you know, my, my, I would go, you don't know that. How do you know that? You don't know that. You just lied to them. And then in the next two or three sentences, they would confirm that what I had just said was absolutely truth. Well, how did I know that? How did I know that? I knew that because the Holy Spirit had revealed it to me. And I released it. Mm-hmm. It was truth. And it always comes to do one of those five things, glorify Jesus, lead somebody into truth, help them get unconfused or whatever's going on in their lives. I love that. It does make you smarter. <laughs> <laughs> and if we always judge it, if we if we use that to judge by, and that's what we're hearing, that's what we're speaking, then we know that it's going to be from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. And and that's a, a perfect way to judge. And I know that you teach us that also in the book. I, I wanted to do something here, Linda. Um, you have a chapter in your book about executing kingdom purpose and you just go through and you go you answer this question what does the holy spirit do what does he do and you just go for it and you read off this list of things that he does and by the time you got to the end of that list i was just about shouting in my chair so uh if can you go through that with us quickly before we have to go and just Tell us, what does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, The list seems lengthy in the book, but trust me, it's not everything the Holy Spirit does. So it's this and more. (laughs) (laughs) This and more. But there are so many things that he will do if we will just yoke with him, co-labor with him. You know, he will give us wisdom. He'll give us understanding. He'll give us knowledge. He'll give us skill. He'll give us words of prophecy. You know, he'll empower us to speak the word of the Lord and speak it boldly. You know, he's the one that gives us our very breath, it says in the book of Job. And he constrains us. Sometimes, you know, when we're going in a direction, he's the one that'll go, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, no, no, no. And when you learn how to co-labor with him, you're real quick to respond, and you spare yourself so much. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness, you spare yourself so much anguish and so much torment. And he lifts up a standard against the enemy for us. He warns us. He'll warn us of of danger. He he helps us if we need to cast out a devil. You know, devils are real. People have devils. And, you know, I've learned over my course of this walk with the Holy Spirit that just listening, speaking, releases. And casting out devils is just sort of like, you know, 
putting on your socks. It's not difficult for the believer who really knows that the Holy Spirit does the work. And it helps us to testify of the Lord. It gives us boldness to do that. Praying in tongues helps us to sort out what's true and what's not. You get into some situations and you just don't know, is you know, is this right or wrong or what's going He helps us. He helps us. He sorts it out for us. And he, he does convict. The, the Holy Spirit does convict. So he's the one that gives us that, that don't do that. Mm-mm. No, 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 don't, don't do that. And he also gives us um, the ability to speak the word of God clearly and make it understandable to the listener. Um, he helps us to magnify the Lord, uh, which is huge, huge, huge. We, we praise through the Holy Spirit, and that's powerful. One of my favorite things uh, is found in Acts chapter 23. He gives us direction. Yes. Do you know we don't have to be aimless in life? So many times we just show up and wonder how we got there. And then we're trying to find our way out. And we don't ever have to walk with that, Donna. We can walk with the Holy Spirit, co-labor with him, know him through the power of, of tongues, using our power tools, learning how to interpret the witness that he gives us. And then we can, we can live our lives without all of the baggage, just baggage. I'm, I'm tired of baggage, and I know most of our listeners are as well. He also gives us hope. Uh, he gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. If we're going to operate in any of the gifts of the Spirit, they're going to come from Him. They are spirit gifts. <laughs> they're the gifts. And I love that. He gives us liberty. Oh. Yes. Yes. He unites us. He gives us peace. He uh, produces the fruit of love in us. Uh, we, are, we are born of love, and we should be givers of that love. And a lot of times we don't know how to do that, or we don't want to do that. But the Holy Spirit is the one that will develop that. Yes, yes. He, he gives us joy. You know, in First in Thessalonians, it tells us to uh, pray without ceasing. Well, how do we do that? We can't do that without the Holy Spirit. He's the one that can pray without ceasing. So there are so many wonderful, glorious things that he does. He transforms us from glory to glory. Yes, yes. Whew. Well, like I said, there's many more other ones other than just the ones that you mentioned right there, Linda. And honestly, I was reading this list and I, I was... <laughs> so excited by the time I got to the end of it. So let me remind everyone once again that this powerful, powerful resource that Linda has prepared for you, it's her two books, Fire Up Your Power Tools, and also her personal testimony book called I Find No Fault in This Man. And she's also prepared two brand new and exclusive audio teachings. You won't find these anywhere else but here. So be sure to listen out for that. Two brand new and exclusive audio teachings that come with this package. You know what? I, I would like to keep you all day, Linda, but I know we can't. But I would love for you to pray for those that are listening before we go. I would be honored to do that. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, Father. Father, I just come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your Lord, my Lord, your Son. Thank you so much for this opportunity to come and just speak to you. And, Father, I am praying right now that you open the hearts of every believer in Christ, every listener today. Let them see and know that your power is real, and let them understand that they are not helpless, they're not hopeless, they're not alone. Help them to see that there is a gift already resident within them, ready to just explode with your power and your greatness. 
Father, I thank you for every listener, and I'm asking God that today, regardless of where each one is, that, Father, you open up their understanding to see and recognize and know that this power tool is available, and regardless of what life would bring them, they are fully, completely equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit to not only go through those troubled waters, but to come out on the other side and to be victorious in this life and forever. Father, I thank you for our listeners, and I'm asking God that each and every one come up to a new awakening of who you are and who your Holy Spirit is and how we can access everything that he has given us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Linda, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for the the gifts that you have and your willingness to share it with all of us. So we really appreciate you being here. And I want everyone to listen out for Sid here in just a moment. And he's going to tell you how you can get this brand new resource from Linda Markowitz in just a moment. Sid? Linda Markowitz got the phone call that no parent wants. It was unimaginable, unthinkable. Her daughter was murdered. When God asked her to embrace the murderer as her son, there was only one way that she could possibly do this. She could possibly have the strength to do it. She leaned on her supernatural power tools, speaking in tongues. Linda's book, Fire Up Your Power Tools is designed to be a question-answering training guide. She says it's the single most effective tool, and I say that too, it's the single most effective tool to opening up the doors of the supernatural realm and unlocking the power of God in your life. These powerful resources from Linda Markowitz, her book, Fire Up Your Power Tools, and her brand new and exclusive book on her amazing testimony, I Find No Fault, plus Linda's two-part audio teaching series, Discovering the Holy Power Within You. All of this for an investment of only 39 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's one 800 447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org, S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for number 9670. Once again, that's offer number 9670.